Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lenz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, today is going to be a fun one here on the Cinema Drip Podcast, because we are going to be talking about action movies. What? What was that? That was from The Incredibles. The theme to that movie. I, 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 I like The Incredibles. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm not sure what you were doing. Just, just trying to provide some, you know, some, action context. some action music to the show. Right. Get the audience hyped uh-huh. up. You like The Incredibles, get you Love hyped up. Love The Incredibles. Don't feel hyped up. Based on that, though, I actually feel like the amount of energy that I had went down significantly. I'm just going to go ahead and blame that on you then, because you like The Incredibles, so I figured it would work, but maybe you're just in a bad mood, Christian. Either way, we're talking about our favorite action movies of the 2010s. This is definitely going to be a little more relaxed and freewheeling of a conversation. A little bit less preparation on both of our ends, I think. Not to undersell what we're about to talk about, just to say we're not going to be... Providing specific streaming recommendations, we will talk through a few categories, but really just taking some time to talk through our favorites of this uh, very popular genre, obviously. Uh, general term, action movies. You know, it's, there's a lot of action movies these days. Most of the big movies that get released in theaters are action movies now. Not as many big theatrical rom-coms or studio comedies or even horror movies getting big theatrical releases. There's still, of course, horror movies, but the most popular movies at the box office are action movies. So, Christian, just in general, what, I mean, when you think of an action movie, how broad is the category for you? Like, do you think about one specific thing, or do you kind of lump everything together? So, it, okay, it's weird. I have definitely, for this list, chosen stuff that is not what I'm about to say, but I feel like, it, it to me, it needs to be hand-to-hand combat. And that's when, when I think about it, when I look at it. And I've included some non-hand-to-hand combat films in, in my recommendations today, but it's got to be gritty, punching, choreographed, people on the ground, hopefully uninterrupted takes. Not a fan of tons of editing in between each punch or kick. But that is, that's, that's mainly what comes to mind in terms of what I enjoy. Gotcha. The, uh, I, obviously, the movies have an interesting relationship with guns, of course, and there's been think piece after think piece written on that, but when it comes to guns in your action movies, do you have any aversion, or is it just you, you prefer hand-to-hand kung fu or martial arts or John Wick beating dudes? I don't know. <laughs> if there are guns, then they better be... I, I don't know. You need to like show the... Not bullet time. I don't care about bullet time but i need to see you know i, I don't know camera strapped onto a bullet do you, do you get what i'm saying like it's like not in, the most cinematic thing to watch like in wanted when they curved the bullets and you could <laughs> that movie is 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 i am not a fan of that movie i'm pretty i probably saw it back in the day when it came out i <laughs> so who knows because i don't remember any of my feelings on it all i remember is that james mcavoy and angelina jolie are in it they curve the bullets, and I have not read the comic. Chris it's been Pratt announced. is also so. in it. Chris Pratt is in Wanted. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, Wanted unfortunately isn't even eligible for this list because it came out before 2010, and this is of course our favorite action movies of the 2010s. Obviously, action movies are in a very good place, and 
well, to some, obviously, to some, some people who prefer really gritty, like, uh, doubling down on what you were just saying, Christian, those types of action movies, they're not necessarily in as good of a place, but we're getting a ton of superhero action movies, of course, because all of those movies, whether they are a little bit like more lighthearted in tone or more serious, all of those movies incorporate large epic scale action sequences. And so whether that is Christopher Nolan wrapping up his Dark Knight trilogy early on in the decade, or the DC Universe trying to start over, or of course the MCU. We saw plenty of superhero movies in the 2010s. Other franchises also flourished. We had multiple James Bond movies. We had the X-Men movies before they were folded up into Marvel. We had Star Trek movies continuing, which those movies technically count. Do you remember those movies, Christian? Do you I feel like anything positively about them? Them? I, I have seen all three of them. I like all three of them. I just, I don't know, It it's... Part of it is, does it fade from the consciousness, or part of it is, like, did they really do anything with it outside of that? And there's, like, a fourth one that's been in development for years, so... I... There's a lot of Star Trek happening right now, but it's all on Paramount+, Plus, and I am not a huge Star Trek person in general. I loved those movies, but, like you're saying, they have not made as big of an impact on the popular consciousness. Partially because their main competitor, Star Wars, also came back <laughs> in the 2010s. And we had plenty of Star Wars content from there. We had, of course, Tom Cruise also trucking along with his Mission Impossible franchise, among others. Um, of course, we also had some action comedies. So things like 21 and 22 Jump Street, The Nice Guys, which is more of a detective movie. But Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe there. The Kick-Ass movies, speaking of comedic comic book adaptations, Deadpool and plenty of others in that genre, and all kinds of stuff that I'm sure we will get to talking about here on our list. So just for a little bit of a, a sense of a guideline, Christian, we'll, we'll talk through some categories to start before we just go for more of a free-for-all. Shout out if it is streaming anywhere in case people who have not seen it in a while want to catch up with it or have not seen it at all can watch it for the first time, but I'll turn to you first and just ask, so we get this out of the way, the MCU, of course, we talk about the MCU a lot on this podcast. We're fans of it, and I know I know where you're leaning in terms of your favorite MCU movie, partially because of what you told me before we recorded this, but also partially because of how you describe your favorite types of action movies. So, what would you say is your favorite MCU movie when it comes to action, Christian? So it's not my favorite MCU movie, but when it comes to action, I I think it has to be Winter Soldier. I mean, just the the amount of spectacle. I'm all in on the elevator scene, as are I think most other people. Even the beginning on the ship, it's it's Captain America and Black Widow, both of whom do not have superpowers. They are like, yes, he's super enhanced, but he doesn't have superpowers. And so the just the fact that that forces you to be grounded. How he grips the with the hella the hella carrier hella carrier hella something hella carrier hella yes. carrier <laughs> with one hand and like the top of the roof with the other as he's trying to keep them there the um introduction of the winter soldier and the only enhancement enhancement that he has is the robotic arm it, it's really cool it's really cool it's really grounded and i do think it's one of the best things that the mcu has ever done I totally agree with you, and as people may remember, if they listen to our big MCU episode from last year with our friends Tim Gibson and Tyler Penn, we were all pretty much agreed that Winter Soldier is one of the best MCU movies out there, and it is that high-quality action that, that I think the Russo Brothers brought to it that, like you're saying, makes it so good. The action in this movie feels really weighty in ways that other MCU movies kind of lose when you get lost in the CGI of it all. Because although that movie, you know, Winter Soldier, of course, has plenty of CGI, plenty of visual effects, 
there's really a big focus on those quality, composed, and choreographed fights between Captain America and a bunch of other dudes who are trying to punch him back. <laughs> so, yes, the elevator scene, awesome. That opening scene really does set the tone for the movie, I think. And the the I guess you could call it a shootout with Winter Soldier on the highway that comes later on in the movie. Again, very well put together action sequence, and frankly, to some of the best legit action filmmaking we get in the MCU. Uh, anything else on on Winter Soldier, Christian, that you'd wanted to shout out in particular? No. Do you do you have a different answer though, or? Well, I mean, thinking about it, like specifically for this list, or I guess this episode of action, like you know, my favorite MCU movie to this point is probably still Black Panther, but I don't necessarily love that movie the most for its action sequences. Not that it's lacking, I don't think, and and especially that um, I, I think they go to wherever they go find that underground casino i can't remember where exactly it is it might be macau or something like that but that is a pretty sweet action sequence the rest of it though i appreciate a lot of the ways that that movie is a little bit more weighty with its themes than other mc movies the killmonger villain performance from michael b jordan and of course chadwick boseman uh, his lead performance there so if i had to pick just like an action movie from the mcu honestly it's probably endgame and in particular because the although that movie isn't exactly loaded with action in the three-hour build-up the end of it is the big payoff of all of this nerdy (laughs) nerdy energy we'd all been building up for years and getting to see the avengers go head to toe or not head to toe toe to toe with thanos and of course the the big reveal that we all knew was coming but still felt great to see it in theater everybody coming back through the portals into that big final action sequence you know, I totally understand people who aren't invested in the MCU, aren't fans, don't love the movies, totally get how that may not have hit them, but for those of us who were fans, have been following it along for years, just an incredible moment to enjoy in the theater, and as I've gotten to watch it again since the in the years that it came, since it came out, still one that I always just love to watch again, so that's I probably seat. where I'd go. I have a CGI answer, but uh, it's it's for later. I, I have a we were talking about action comedies. I realized that there is an action comedy that's very CGI based that I'll talk talk later about. Perfect. Well, yeah. So for the MCU, obviously, those are both streaming on Disney Plus. Check them out if you somehow listen to this podcast and have not <laughs> already listened or seen those MCU movies. But Christian, I do want to ask for non MCU related superhero movies because, of course, the 2010s really were the decade of the superhero movie. Uh, Iron Man came out in 2008, and the MCU was really off to the races in the 2010s with the original Avengers movie coming out and all the other MCU movies since. But DC was trying, Fox was trying with X-Men before it was bought up by Disney, and there were others poking in and around here, there, and everywhere. Big Hero 6, technically a superhero movie. Uh, Really more of a comic book adaptation, but I digress. So, Christian... Any other non-MCU superhero movies that really stand out to you for the quality of their action? Or whatever, we don't need to specify just the action. Anything you want to throw out. <laughs> so it's any superhero movie. Any superhero movie that is not a part of the MCU. So Deadpool would count, because he's Marvel, but not MCU. I was going to say Deadpool. I was going to say Deadpool, yeah. I mean, he is in the action comedy vein. But it's... It, I loved what they did with him there i loved how they basically turned um the whole reference the the referencing the camera the breaking of the fourth wall is is something we have seen and we've seen it multiple times but ryan gons not gosling ryan reynolds just being a cheeky bastard (laughs) as he's cutting off his own hand uh, 
And the gore, I've never seen Breaking the Fourth Wall done when there's a gore involved, and this is a gory movie. This is very much earning of its rated R standard, and so that being present there um, did make me enjoy it. Made me enjoy it quite a bit. I'm not sure what your thought. Uh, you liked both. I know that you like Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2. It's true. I, I do like both of those movies. I think there's a lot of people who especially love the first one. And, it's, and I, I think both of them are, are enjoyable, pretty good, fun to watch movies. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely can't complain here. And I do, I think, appreciate more of the comedy from what I can remember because it has been a few years since I've seen Deadpool. Love the moments like when they're commenting on the fact that there's nobody at the Xavier... <laughs> school but you know of course they reference the fact that it's because of the budget and they couldn't you know pay for people to be there or you know whatever that would be you get some good moments between colossus and deadpool and of course the <laughs> the uh teenage x-men who he gets to come along for the adventure is negasonic teenage warhead who pretty sure most people seeing that movie had never heard of before <laughs> and it's a pretty funny performance from brianna hildebrand there so but yeah definitely definitely a fun one there uh for deadpool fans and i'm curious to see how they inevitably bring him into the mcu they'll make fun of being brought into the mcu and i'm okay with they that will. i i'm partially expecting him to be censored a lot like they'll just literally beep out the swear words he can't say in a pg-13 movie and i feel like they could it's R. That, it's but gonna be R. that's true that's true. i was more thinking about when he inevitably shows up with somebody else in their movie oh like, uh, sure i'm sure they'll they'll do something funny with it but yeah deadpool obviously quite a solid choice the one that i had to go with here when it comes to non-mcu superheroes i was tempted to go dark knight rises although i have not seen it in a very long time and the dark knight obviously is just one of the best movies of recent memory we're both huge fans of it I know The Dark Knight Rises has its critics, and so it's a movie that I kind of want to watch again, because mm -hmm. I remember really, really enjoying it. I just haven't seen it recently enough, although I don't feel like my opinions would change that strongly. So the one that I ended up going with was Logan, which is... It's a good action movie. Indeed it is. I have issues with it, but it's a good action movie. Logan, of course, the send-off performance for our guy Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, uh, and uh, I forget if it's like an alternate timeline or just later on in whatever x-men timeline they it's were like working 20 with. years later yeah yeah but for some reason charles is back yeah as he's caring for that's, that's why i think it's an alternate timeline but who knows caring for an aging professor x who's uh he's slowly losing it and losing his grip on his powers that's endangering the people around him and also trying to care for a young laura who is this little girl who comes into his care who has been experimented on just like he has and just one of those movies that, again, they went for the R rating and they could have played it safe and gone for the PG-13, but it's actually really well executed. <laughs> and one of the particular moments that really stands out to me is that you know, Wolverine has this action sequence where he's defending the, you know, the people under his care. He's defending them in this, I guess it's like a hotel, and... It, Time sort of slows down based on the, the tools these villains are using. They're trying to bring him in. And he manages to slowly, like, emerge his claws into a guy's noggin at point-blank range. And you see those claws slowly enter that guy and kill him. And it's one of those moments that reminds you they were not pulling their punches with this movie. Uh, it's it's one that I really remember fondly because I was I was a big fan of those X Men movies. I think they started to trail off after this. I was not a fan of Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix. Not many people were, 
But this was a, a really great send-off for the Wolverine character. And just a satisfying movie as it was. And, and frankly, although I just said the same thing about Dark Knight Rises, I wish I had stronger memories of it. I don't think I've seen it since it came out in 2017, so five years ago from, from now. But one that I do remember very fondly and a great send-off too for Hugh Jackman, who obviously was iconic in that role. Um, you said you had some problems with Logan, so what what didn't you like before you maybe throw in something positive? No, no, no. It's it it's very strong and gritty. I'm just I don't know. The the, the story felt a little lacking to me, and and I I feel like that's a decent criticism in terms of it's very bleak and doesn't provide a lot of hope. And I think that there are actually some holes in the story, but it's I mean nothing that I I would recommend it. I would very much recommend it, honestly. I do remember being the ending being a little bittersweet, but still hopeful, because part of what they're trying to do is connect this young girl to some other mutants, right. and naturally they do. So um, that I remember that particular moment. The ending is a bit somber, but they do end on, on a bit of an up note. But yeah, there's also a bit of they, they sort of try to theme it as like a western almost. That's what uh, James Mangold's the director there, and he uh, also made the Wolverine, which is not as well loved as this one, but. He's trying to infuse some of that Western classic movie DNA into this and set up Wolverine as this iconic Eastwood and Wayne-esque hero. So also kind of fun there. They, they released a black and white version, I think, that I never got around to seeing, but <laughs> maybe someday. Nice. So that's Deadpool and Logan for our non-MCU superhero entries. Shout out to the X-Men, both also available on Disney+. Now we will dip into other franchises. Yes. Non-superheroes, of course, still... Despite the fact that the superheroes dominated at the box office, other franchises had their day for sure. So, any other franchise movies that you wanted to throw out? And because there are so many here, we don't necessarily need to keep it at one. Just because I know there's at least a few that I want to throw out. <laughs> so, okay. what's the first one that comes to mind for you? So, we shared this one. It's Mission Impossible Fallout. And I will let you talk about Fallout, and I'll instead bring up Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Because I love what they did there. I love scaling the Burj Khalifa. Oh, and I, so good. <laughs> I love like the, the chase in the car through the sandstorm. I think that Ghost Protocol is, is, is really great. Fallout is the better movie. But it's... And I don't know. It, it's like there that, that it grabbed my attention. And I know that y'all are big... You and Keenan are big fans of, of Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation is not my favorite thing in the world. Shout out to our guy Keenan Culler from the uh, Hollywood Week podcast, getting getting a little shout out there. Whose child just started preschool? Way to go, young young Culler bro, starting <laughs> preschool. But yes, and Tom Cruise. Honestly, a lot of action movies that I like from the 2010s star Tom Cruise, and it's, I mean, incredible what he is able to do and how he's able to pull people in. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that he just keeps trucking along in these Mission Impossible movies, going bigger and better each time at, after a certain point, is just ridiculous. And the 2010s, for me, were the best decade for the franchise. Because obviously, the original came, comes out in the 90s, then there is Mission Impossible 2 and 3 in the, uh, you know, the aughts. And then we kick it into high gear with Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout here in the 2010s. And I think those movies are, are all exceptional. Fallout especially, of course. So... Absolutely no complaints with the Ghost Protocol pick. Um, it's funny to me because Paula Patton shows up in that movie. She is not someone who had a long Hollywood career, unfortunately. She's appeared in a decent amount of movies, so people will recognize her. If not from this, then maybe from something like Hitch or Deja Vu with uh, Denzel. 
But yeah, she's she's pretty fun in that movie. And it's good to see, I don't know, just it's fun to see fresh faces every now and again. Although you, you like those enduring Mission Impossible cast members. And we talked about Fallout at length on a, an episode of the show earlier this year. So if you missed that one and you're a fan of these movies, go check it out. Or if you have not seen any of these Mission Impossible movies, I would absolutely recommend both of them. Obviously, if you're going to watch Fallout, maybe watch Rogue Nation first. But yeah, definitely a huge fan of this franchise. You can watch Ghost Protocol on Netflix right now if you haven't seen that one. I don't think Fallout is streaming. At least not anywhere that I Paramount have. Plus. It's on. They're they're all on Paramount. I or they might be leaving. They they might have left Paramount Plus for a time. The ridiculous game of the streaming wars. <laughs> I just there's too many services to keep up with these days. And they trade titles, and it's just weird. And it is weird. Uh, the so the franchise pick that I absolutely have to start out with is maybe not just the my my favorite action movie of the 2010s, but maybe perhaps one of my favorite movies bar none of the 2010s, and that is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah. Which is the fourth movie in the Mad Max franchise, and the first movie that I saw, and I'm glad that high school me didn't get weird with it and insist on seeing the originals before going to see this in the theaters because it blew my mind then, and each time I've gone back to it, it has blown my mind anew. It is, I mean, Fury Road is just unbelievable in terms of the balance of practical effects and uh, CGI um, and using those special digital effects. The actual action sequences are relentless. <laughs> and uh, it's almost one long chase movie with a few breaks in between. And what they managed to pull off with these vehicles, many of which were constructed practically with motorcycles leaping across chasms going back and forth across these cliffs and you get these i almost instantly iconic performances from tom hardy taking over the mad max role and charlie theron of course playing the imperator furiosa i just it's just an incredible movie and one that i fall more in love with every time i watch it uh, we actually got to see this one together not on the big screen per se but the drive-in and the drive-in there, there was a uh, i can't remember who play yoder well, I remember Paul Yoder went with us, our friend of the show, Paul Yoder. I can't remember who put it on. There's a group in LA. Secret Movie Club. Shout out to Secret Movie Club. Yes. During the pandemic, they did uh, some outdoor screenings, drive-in style things in parking lots. They still and, do them, and yeah. I do want to go to another one. Which we should do, because it was fun. We saw yeah. Mad Max uh, 2, The Road Warrior. With... I'm not going to lie, that was that was tough for me. Not it, not at all because of the movie, but like after sitting through the first one, and then it was really late at night, and then I'm like, <laughs> Time for Fury Road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I was having a great time. <laughs> so <laughs> those movies are awesome. But yeah, I, I just Fury Road is, it's just, yeah, it's, I could keep talking about it. Uh, but anything, I don't know, anything for that movie in particular that you wanted to mention, Christian? No, it's a, it's a, an incredible car chase scene that honestly, it, it's like the definition of a rock and roll movie. Like you, the, not only because they have an electric guitar that bursts out flames. Oh yes. It, it It's just, it's straight out of a madman's mind and it's wonderful because he goes full in on the joke. It's just, it it's gritty. They only CGI'd out a, a, like an extension cord. I think is what we were told that that was the only part of like CGI that was used. And in terms of the, 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 you can feel the speed of these cars and, and it's really, it's relentless. It is unending speed and wonderful to watch. I mean, it's one of the things that, that Fury Road, just from like sort of a behind the scenes industry perspective, one of the reasons it's so important is the fact that they actually went out to the desert and shot this movie 
which really just contributes to how good it yeah. is because it feels high quality. Yeah. It feels like they put money into it. And sometimes, especially with the more recent movies in the MCU or just in superhero franchises in general, you can kind of feel where they're cutting costs. And some of the... If the visual effects aren't done just right, they feel a little plasticky almost. And like I said, in, in Fury Road, there are visual effects. There is CGI, but it's balanced and blended with the practical and the real so much that it's it's like a perfect way of combining those two things in a more, you know, in today's modern and digital day and age. So Fury Road's incredible. If you have not yet seen it, you absolutely need to get on that. It's currently on HBO Max. I don't know where the other Mad Max movies are because they kind of bounce between streaming services, but... I'm also a fan of, of two. Still have to see the original Mad Max and the more comedic Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, that one is has its fans, but also has its very loud detractors. So it <laughs> can be a fun fun one for the show someday, maybe, Christian. Yeah. Uh, now, there, there are other franchises, so maybe just uh, if you want to shout out a couple others that fall into a franchise that you like. I'm a big fan of Skyfall. Skyfall is wonderful. Yeah, one of the most iconic James Bond movies from the I'll Daniel mean, Craig era. I'll shout out Spectre in that realm. Then I, I, I really, really like what they did with Spectre and how they were able to go through with it. I, it's one that a lot of people dislike, but I actually, I, I liked when I saw it, and I liked again as I rewatched it because I, I did all the Bond, uh, mm-hmm. the Daniel Craig Bonds, building up to yeah. um, No Time to Die. And again, if you're watching them all in sequence, some of the story problems people have just don't really, they don't. I mean, the the criticisms don't hold up. So. I was a fan there. Uh, we talked about John Wick as part of our David Leach Blood of the Month, and John Wick Chapter 2 is my favorite of that franchise, and probably my second favorite action movie of this whole decade, right after Fury Road. Uh, it's one that I absolutely want to rewatch again. <laughs> Just I love that movie so much, and the context in which I saw it is one of my favorite movie-watching stories ever, so <laughs> that's partly why I love it so much. Let me talk about The Last Jedi, then, and the, the one scene where it's the two of them facing off against all of ooh, Commander Snoke's, like, henchmen people. <laughs> wonderful, one, wonderful movie. Meaning, meaning the throne room fight scene between yes. Ren and Kylo Ren versus the, the, the guards for Snoke. Yeah, just an incredible sequence. I, I'm a huge fan of The Last Jedi, and I feel like because of, like, the loud internet discourse around it, it's like a toxic movie. If you touch it, you're going to bring out all kinds of people from the woodwork. But it's made me love it even more. Although... I honestly might still prefer The Force Awakens. I'm like a weird Star Wars fan in that, and that they ran the formula back from A New Hope and totally worked for me. <laughs> like, I was just so excited to see Star Wars in theaters again. Sure, sure, sure. I uh, mentioned that I love those Star Trek movies. I'm just kind of scrolling through Letterboxd here, honestly. We talked about the Planet of the Apes movies previously on this podcast, and I'm a ginormous fan of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Big fan of War of the Planet of the Apes myself. There you go. Anything else franchise-wise? Are you a you a Spider-Man guy, Christian, or just No Way Home? Okay, um, I love Homecoming. I really, really love Homecoming. Like, Homecoming is excellent. I will say, like the the Amazing Spider-Man, I enjoy quite a bit, and I, I think that the action in that one's pretty good. I'm also a fan, at least of the original Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. I, I haven't seen that or the sequel in a long time. I know a lot of people did not like those movies, but seeing Andrew Garfield pop up again in the role made me want to revisit them. I just haven't gotten around to it because there's always too many movies to watch. I have okay, I have an animated franchise, but do you have an animated pick? I I, I could certainly find one, Christian. So go ahead. What is, what's your animated pick for an action movie? How to Train Your Dragon 2. 
Okay. How to Tra- Have you seen that? One? I am. I I think I've seen a bit of the original How to Train Your Dragon. I have not seen any of the sequels. That's for sure. It's 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 gritty. It's a gritty anime movie. And yeah, you know the dude's name is Hiccup, Jay Baruchel doing. Shout out Jay. Shout out Jay. Had a real moment in the 2010s. He's not been around as much, but. It it's it's just. It is, it's one of those where, like, the action leads to some very important consequences. There are deaths in this movie. There are betrayals in this movie. And for an, for an animated film it, that, that is definitely geared towards children for a good chunk of it, it is, man, it's it's a tough, it's an emotional roller coaster. And that's what I love, you know, when, when the action has that emotional resonance. Yeah, I appreciate that about animated movies. Obviously, I've I'm, we talked about Princess Mononoke multiple times on this show, and I'm a huge fan of that movie. Which Studio Ghibli films are arguably directed at kids. That one is PG-13, so maybe a little bit of an older audience in mind. But even so, an animated movie with very weighty themes, with very real violence being portrayed, even if it is fantastical creatures who are committing some of it. So definitely one for the watch list. I, I'm an animated movie fan. I got to get on the How to Train Your Dragon movies and see what's up. Because it seems like there's just a very excited and loud fan base for those movies. I gotta make sure I I get in on that. If I had to pick an animated movie, I might go Spider-Man again and say Into the Spider-Verse. Just because it's that one is beloved, but it is just such a good Spider-Man story. It's such a good movie, first and foremost. And the fact that it's animated actually makes it even better because of what they're able to do with the animation. Whether it's incorporating different styles, depending on the character. Or just capturing this crazy multiversal story and, and being able to use different kinds of effects depending on what is actually happening on screen and, and who's coming in from what universe. Plus the fact that it's just really funny too. <laughs> and you have these great performances from Shamik Moore and Jake Johnson and Nicolas Cage and John Mulaney. A lot great of people act. yeah, a lot great of people love there. But yeah, the action too is just really solid and really well done, especially that final action sequence, uh, the final fight with Kingpin. They're all swirling around the, the big, whatever, sci-fi <laughs> machine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Into the Spider-Verse, so that would be my animated pick here. So we've done MCU. We've talked superhero, non-MCU. We've done franchise. We've done animated. Christian, well, let's talk about something maybe just an individual on its own action movie. A movie outside of a franchise. Okay, I, I'm i going to give a cheat because we've already discussed it, but Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is fantastic. Oh my goodness. And I, I know that you're not a fan of the CGI aliens. I love the CGI aliens and how they were fighting with them. But just the, the, the emotional plot line going into it and watching the same fight again and again with the same death result again and again and... Like, you're, you're just like, this is a really cool scene. And this is one where fast editing takes mass effect because we need to be forced to rewatch this in order to see what he's going to try and do different the following time. So I, I'll go with that one. But my, my other one, which incorporates the most CGI of all of my picks, I be, well, not the most, maybe the most noticeable, is, yes, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Let's go! I was just about to say it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. Incredible movie. So like the the oh man, the um everything from the fast cuts to this feels, you know, like a comic book movie. Just all of the way that the frames are put in, the leveling up, the sword that comes in, the rewind, the music as as part of action. 
and 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 the the incredible score and just like guitar riff and 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 a beat that is underflowing all of it i mean michael sarah's god bless you one of his best roles for sure i'm a, a gigantic fan of scott pilgrim versus the world have you read the the original graphic novel series i have not they are super fun they're very different from the movie because obviously they're they're six uh novels as opposed to a, a two-hour movie and they, there's obviously a, more characters there's more out of the storylines but even just the way that they're told is really fun too and it was going to be a challenge to bring the dna of those stories to the screen because they're so indebted to video games in particular and how do you translate that to the screen they're indebted to the kind of like action movies, martial arts movies that are referenced in the story, the, the anime stylings too, of like fighting the seven evil exes with these special powers that you get out of nowhere. And the movie managed to capture the essence and the spirit of Brian o Lee O'Malley's stories so well. And I mean, from the awesome cast with Michael Sarah, you also have Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Chris Evans, Jason Schwartzman, and Kieran Culkin in a very pre-succession role, but he is hilarious as uh, <laughs> Scott's roommate Wallace. To the comedy, the music, like you said, and Brie the, Larson. Yeah. Is this this okay. Look, Brie look, Larson in that movie is wonderful. So good. One of my top five performances from her. And the, the, her her band is called the Clash at Demonhead, and they have this amazing song of their own. <laughs> Black Sheep, which yes. I've, I've definitely put on YouTube clips of just them singing that song. It's it's a great song, yeah. And and the actual action here, of course, is these different these fights and battles between uh, Scott's new girlfriend Ramona and her seven evil exes, and each of those battles is different and unique in and of itself. It's almost always across from someone whose face you'll recognize and you'll laugh being like, oh my gosh, I remember them, and they are just a really good time. The the cast in this movie is is unbelievable if you just go look at it on imdb or wikipedia or wherever before so many names that you'll recognize up. before yeah pr before pretty much any of them blew up a lot of them have been acting like michael Sarah was on arrested development as a teenager and he was in some other movies and stuff but even so like so many people right before that popped off it's it's incredible so yeah scott pilgrim versus the world also a fan of baby driver another edgar wright action movie from the 2010s that one's got a little bit of like the ick on it based on some of the people who are involved in it but uh, again, very, very similar to his the style of direction that he brought to Scott Pilgrim in Baby Driver, uh, syncing everything up with the music and using that throughout. Uh, going off of that lane, then Ford v Ferrari. Yes, the poster is is right there in this very room in which we sit. <laughs> I have two posters in my room, Ford v. Ferrari and No Time to Die. Which... I almost forgot the name of that movie when I was like, I was preparing to watch the Daniel Craig movies for No Time to Die. And for a second, I was like, the poster's right there, Scott. You can't forget. No, look, I, I definitely um, try to believe that there is, there's definitely some, you know, hardcore masculinity in me, but it's, you know, not much. <laughs> These two posters definitely represent a big yes. chunk of it. Indeed, they do. <laughs> uh, the the, but no the the man the car scenes the just intensity the drive the accidents the the zooming in on the drivers is wonderful and I'm trying to think. Okay, here's a movie. Well, before you do, I was just yes. going to say I like that you mentioned Ford v Ferrari just because. Especially in like a post '80s world, we think of action movies as like guys with guns or guys with fists of fury beating the crap out of their enemies. But obviously, action movies have been around since the beginning, and we had silent, you know, silent action movies, arguably. 
And so Ford Ferrari obviously represents not necessarily violence and fight scenes, but just the, the action of a, a car race. And that movie is, it's a, it's historical, it's a drama, but I would say action is absolutely part of what's going on. And I haven't seen it since we saw it in theaters. And I'm almost tempted not to, just because I want to remember the visceral feeling of the, the, the cars going screaming by the camera. It's the first movie I ever saw in LA. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, did, did uh, we see that before the gentleman? I can't remember. We I don't I don't know if we did. Those were the first two movies I saw. Like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, Ford v Ferrari definitely an incredible pick. Also directed by James Mangold, who who also made Logan. So a little little Mangold love for this list. Uh, but you were about to mention another movie. Fire away. Oh man, what was the? Oh yeah, so I haven't finished this movie. Interesting. And it's not great. Okay. But it definitely um has interesting moments of it and i want to shout it out more so because of its director so it's <laughs> arthur legend of the sword co-written and directed by guy Ritchie. okay now, okay i i think this movie's underrated i'm a fan of it and i i, I haven't fin- i couldn't finish it in time for this for this pot for this recording but what i love that guy Ritchie does at like 800 percent here is he will have his characters tell stories and he will cut between them telling the story and like the character and the flashback scene or the flash forward scene of what is happening and going on. And he'll do that with action as well. Like when he's in, is it the Darklands? When Charlie Hunnam is in the Darklands. By the way, Charlie Hunnam, kind of a beast of a man in this film. And so honestly comedic and fascinating. It feels like he just wanted to tell you know, his... You've seen Wrath of Man, right? I have not seen Wrath of Man. Okay, so he... It's like he wanted to tell his version of just, like, a perverted film. And But but I don't say perverted in terms of dirty, but, like, a, these are scumbag characters wanting things that maybe are noble, but they don't have... They have scumbag desires, kind of. In it, It's a way to tell the Arthurian legend that I actually had not seen before. And it's not just, you know, we're in high English medieval times. And that's what I truly enjoyed. That it, it was stylish. It was stylish in a way that you wouldn't expect it to be. Yeah, it's a fun one. It, it, it was a box office bomb, unfortunately. A lot of critics had problems with it. And I will say, the you haven't seen it yet, so I won't say what happens, but the ending dips a little too heavily into CGI, where the rest of the movie surely was, like, zhuzhed up with visual effects. But, the sword plays very good. Yeah, a little more hand-to-hand oriented and a little more real, so I didn't like the ending necessarily, but definitely an underrated uh, underrated one for sure. And if you're a Guy Ritchie fan, definitely worth your time. Uh, a couple that I want to make sure to mention, because we're... we're God, we got to wrap up here soon, but one of my favorite Denis Villeneuve films is sicario which is absolutely yeah. a more action-oriented movie of his uh if you haven't seen it uh emily blunt stars as an fbi agent who goes uh who's brought into a task force trying to uh stop uh, something or kind of like get involved in basically the war on drugs the u.s mexico border it is intense bleak. uh a very bleak, very though. bleak movie yes of course and uh, also shot by roger deakins who i mean this is one of those movies that made me pay attention to cinematographers for the first time and, and deacons especially it's just beautifully put together by him and then it allows you to see ways where kind of directors of photography put a stamp on a movie and villeneuve obviously works with great dps all the time so sicario some really tense and awesome action sequences but just a a really great movie overall and snowpiercer another movie that yeah. we talked about briefly on the show before but 
I think the first Bong Joon-ho movie I ever watched and one that I really liked at the time but loved even more when I revisited it for one of our streaming recommendations episodes that we had previously on the show. Uh, of course, about the people from the back of the train trying to get to the people at the front of the train and, and lead the, the class uprising there. Uh, just, uh, again, not a movie that is like absolutely filled to the gills with action sequences, but the ones that are there are just incredibly well done and put together. The one that probably comes to everybody's mind is the big fight between some of the, the, the guards and policemen or whatever you want to call them from the rich people and the poor people getting together on a train with or on a train car when the lights go out and yeah. they enter a tunnel and there's only like flashes of light every now and again. Super intense, uh, but again, very, very well done. And obviously uh, Bong Joon-ho is an incredible director. So very, very much a movie you should watch if you have not gotten around to it, but you saw Parasite and are curious about more of director Bong's work. I'll, 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 and then I'll, I'll do two more and then we can end it. There um, you go. I'll shout out. So both of these are bleak films. We both saw The Raid. And I do want to recommend The Raid because it's it, it's not my favorite movie. And I do think that it loses itself in how disturbing it is. And also, um, some of these fight scenes honestly go on for, I think, too long. Uh, too long, Christian. <laughs> I could have watched them forever. But it's incredible fighting. Yeah, it's it probably the smallest movie that we've brought yes. up on this episode, and one that I would say probably the least likely to have been seen by listeners of the show. So it has a cult following. It absolutely does. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I, I would assume some people have seen it, but just so people know what it's about, it's actually set in Jakarta, in Indonesia, and follows Iko Uwais as Rama, who is a rookie cop as a part of this task force that is going to break into an apartment building where a drug lord is staying, and they're going to bring him to justice. But of course things go wrong mm -hmm. and there is um it was most notable because it brought this indonesian martial art to the screen for one of the not Eco the way. first time but yeah, yeah one of the first times um at least recently and the actual hand-to-hand -hand combat is ridiculous <laughs> what these guys are pulling off and both eco away and some of his other um collaborators here would go on to appear in other other movies like for example he and the guy who plays mad dog yayan ruhyan uh, appeared in the force awakens and Yayan was also in John Wick Chapter 3. I don't know if you got around to watching that one. But they, yeah, this it launched some of these guys onto uh, not just careers in Indonesia, but around the world in action movies. So I, I liked it more than you, it sounds like. It's very, very well done. But it is a little bit relentless with the action. And it's not a very happy, cheerful movie. So definitely one to check out if you're trying to like get into some just like raw mainline action <laughs> like into my bloodstream i want to watch the raid too because i've heard some people said it's better and so I'm, I'm interested to see that i also want to see it it's it i almost watched it the other day but I, I was late at night and on a normal day of the week and it is significantly longer the original is an hour 40 something yeah about an hour 40 but the raid 2 is two and a half hours Ooh. so it'd be a bit more of a commitment so with a long weekend coming up maybe i'll, I'll get around to it this weekend for speaking Liberty. speaking of long movies though yes the revenant which we i i i will shout it out alejandro gonzalez and yuritu mentioned him many times before very special director to me leonardo dicaprio's oscar-winning role and it's not i don't think most people think about it as an action movie but it's it's like an adventure movie, and I feel like adventure movies almost automatically need to fall under action as well. Yeah, they're they're sometimes split up. Like if you go onto Letterboxd, they are separate genres, and I understand that. But I'll, I'll often, of course, they go hand in hand. And it's it's Leo gets attacked by a bear and then must survive in the wild. So it's not action the way that we normally think about it. As like he is trying to fight off combatants, he 
is trying to, you know, survive freezing. And, and the the intensity with which they do this, the intensity with which the elements are shown, and it, it's it's an action. And the honestly, the the it's kind of a western as well. To, oh, like the definitely the 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 final fight scene at the end on horseback definitely proves that. But like it's it's a survival movie that is difficult to watch but was like a hit it was a box office hit in a way i would have never understood at the time yeah despite how i love that film it, it came up at sort of the perfect time because it was in the middle of all of this superhero business happening but it was before covid obviously multiple years before covid so while superheroes are still taking over hollywood but still at a time where the right director and yuri too of course coming off his best picture win and best director win and leonardo dicaprio can still open a movie and so the right director, the right actor can bring a story like that and to the screen and it'll bring in tons of money. And I, I was a, a huge fan of it as well. I know, I, again, another movie that has its critics and some people who just didn't understand why it was getting the hype that it did at the time, didn't think it was worthy of the awards it got, wish that Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar for a different movie. And while I would maybe agree with that, only because he's made so many great movies over the years, still I think a worthy win yeah. for him and, and a great movie for sure. Um... Oh, speaking of, shot by Emmanuel Lebeski in one of the all-time great Oscars runs as he won Best Cinematography three, three years, years in a row. row. Working with uh, Anyari, too, of course, who won Best Director twice, back-to-back, which, again, kind of incredible when you yeah. think about it because it's so infrequent that the Academy awards people multiple times, let alone in back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back years. So, shout-out to those guys. And That's... that... Yeah. that's our that's our show that's that is a lot of movies christian <laughs> we just talked about we could have thrown out even more i'm sure but a lot of great action movies from the past 10 years and obviously some people despair about the mcu taking over or superheroes taking over and i think we're starting to see some of the effects of that when it, whether it comes to mixed reviews on the more recent mcu movies dc floundering trying to figure out what to do even fast and furious <laughs> kind of like going off and having all kinds of uh, having 10 movies at this point that they're working with there are definitely some diminishing returns here but i think the 2010s all in all were a pretty solid decade you you didn't get a lot of like movies like the raid or john wick these lower to the ground more serious adult action movies anymore but you still got all kinds of good stuff from the franchises we loved and, and some things that were off the beaten path a bit too so all in all, pretty solid decade for action. Would you agree? I would. And honestly, I don't care about the Marvel thing. And I, I, I say that because I think it's just a point of saturation. But honestly, tons of great action movies have come out in the 80s and the 90s and in the 2000s and 2010s and will continue to come out. So I'm, I'm, I'm it's fine. True. It's true. And, and even when Hollywood necessarily isn't necessarily throwing all of their full weight behind action movies that don't feature a superhero at the center or somebody who was adapted from a comic book or a video game. You just need a good stunt choreographer. You just need a good stunt choreographer. And good action movies are being made all the time. Yep. So even when Hollywood's not doing it, other people will. Like The Raid. That is our show. Hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as we had talking about it. There are so many good action movies out there, and we would love to know what we missed. So uh, among the other things you can do to support the show, go ahead and send us an email, because we'd appreciate your feedback. Uh, the email for the show is cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com, and we do take all listener suggestions seriously. We've had people suggest Blend of the Month for the show, suggest movies they want to be talked about for the show, offer up their lists when we've done lists in the past. And it's always fun to hear from you guys. And we just love to know that these episodes are going out and being listened to by people. So 
do send us some feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what action movie from the 2010s that we missed. You can also, if you would, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and go ahead and leave a rating or a review where applicable. Helps us reach new listeners there and warms my little heart. So please do leave us a review. We'd love to shout out those reviews on the show as well. And hey, I'll I'll shout out a one-star review. Say I won't. If you're feeling like I suck and you want to tell me, tell me. I can deal with it. Scott, you suck. Thanks, Christian. Yeah. I appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. I'll take that to heart and I'll work on myself. I'll come back next week a better podcaster. Thank you. And speaking of next week, Christian, we have a brand new blend of the month coming up for September. So I'm going to turn it over to you to tell the listeners what's coming down the pipe. There are only three movies that I care about that are coming out in September. And therefore, I have chosen to form a blend around one of them who I've wanted to form a blend around for a while. And it's Viola Davis because she has a new movie she's starring in, an action historical epic called uh, The Woman King. Which looks awesome, it by the way. It looks very, very, <laughs> very good. And so I am excited for it. And we are going to be looking at three Viola Davis performances in in iconic movies to her. And she is my favorite actress, I believe. And... and Wow. The interesting thing about her is that she has not been given all of the opportunities that maybe she uh, that no that she definitely deserves because she is a and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this simply because of her reputation she is a Meryl Streep caliber actress and so I'm excited to talk about her. I am too, and and she's got a very interesting career, like you said. She played a lot of small roles in Hollywood for a long time before really bursting onto the scene in the late aughts and the 2010s. With the movie that we're going to start off with. And you can go ahead and and tell the listeners what that is. That movie is Doubt, which is 2008? Speaking of Meryl Streep, isn't Meryl Streep in Doubt? Meryl Streep and Amy Adams and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, the adaptation of the play. A movie that I've seen, actually. I watched it in one of my high school classes, but... I don't remember much about it, so I'm definitely excited to watch it again. Is it streaming anywhere if people are wanting to go check it out, or will it be a rent-slash-check-the-library edition of Cinema Drip? It's on Pluto TV. On Pluto TV! Shout-out to the good folks at Pluto. I, I don't know if I've used Pluto. According to Just Watch, it's also on Hoopla. If you're a, a, library, I have Hoopla. a library user, you can check it out on Hoopla, which is a, a quality streaming service from the public library system. So... Check out Doubt, which we will talk about next week on the show. And of course, the final thing you can do to support us here, doing things a little bit out of the order at the end here, but please do uh, check us out on social media. Myself and the show are on Twitter, Christian is on Instagram, and we are both on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. So, Christian, any final thoughts for the folks at home? Any last action movies you want to throw out there? The Gentleman. It's not 2010s. It's not 2010s, but check it out anyway, I guess. (laughs) And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.